Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. We are here live at Citizens at Ground Zero, and I'm here, I'm here live interviewing, what's your name, what's your name? Summer. I'm here live with Summer Johnston. Yeah, Scott, can you hear me? Yes, I'm here with Summer Johnston. Johnston, uh, Johnston, where are we? LPC Citizens. LPC Citizens. How do you feel about that, Summer Johnston? Good. (laughs) There you have it, Bill. I'm Sam Cassis, live, reporting with Citizens. I'm out. <clears throat> I don't know why I did that. Anyway, welcome. Are you guys doing good? Hey, I am, I'm excited. Hey, Mia, good to see you. I'm excited to be with you guys. Loved everything that, uh, that Jackson was talking about. Lots of life happening, all right? Summer's not over. How many people know it's not over? It's not over until it's over, right? You know what I'm saying? And so we have, uh, we got the barbecue coming up. How many people hanging out for late night tonight? Yeah? We got, we got our summer hours, all right? Rumor has it we're doing a little Kajabi action, a little Kajabi can-can. So everybody go like this, like this. Ready? One, two, three. Ah, as fast as you can. Ah, get those forearms loose, all right? Everybody give me a little this, a little counterclockwise, a little clockwise, a little yes, sir, no, sir. We'll be good. All right. Grab the forearm of your neighbor and just give a nice squeeze, right? All right. All right, enough. enough. Bad idea. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. Uh, today, go ahead and grab your Bibles, because tonight we're going to continue our series called A Tale of Two Kingdoms. The title of my message tonight is When in Rome. When in Rome. I need a volunteer. I need a very smart person. Who is the smartest person in the room? <laughs> smartest person in the room. Um, you look smart. I'll go with you. Usually when you ask that question, the person that raises their hand is not the smartest person in the room, right? The smartest person's like, I mean, kind of smart, whatever, right? Smartest person in the room. I need you to complete the following sentence for a million points. When in Rome... Shh, you don't know. All right, second contestant, smartest person in the room. Smart, you look smart. You got that intense look in your eye. Are you smart? What's your name? Haven. Haven what? Haven Batez. Batez, is that French? Yeah. So I'm gonna pronounce it Bate. Tell your mom you've been doing it wrong your whole life. Here we go. <laughs> Finish the following sentence. When in Rome. Did it fall? <gasps> Good thing you're French, not Italian. Um, wrong. <laughs> I need the smartest person in the room. I'm going to go with the trustworthiness. She's, the smartest person in the room has been here the whole time, and she hasn't raised her hand. She's like, I'll let all these other people who think they're the smartest, but I need you to finish it for us. Aria Conant, graduate who, have gone through, who has gone through your entire education at Camus High School, end it right now. 
when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Thank you. Thank you. All of you other ones, keep trying. You'll be there. Be like Aria. So when in Rome, do as the Romans do. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. This is a phrase that you use when you're a foreigner in a foreign land. Where's the most foreign place you've ever been to? Where? Japan. What language do they speak in Japan, Sydney? Japanese. Oh, Haley. Japanese. Okay. Ethiopia. Foreign places. Philippines. California. Yes. Portland, Oregon. Yeah. So check it. Yeah, Portland. For real. So here's how it works. Here's how it works. When you find yourself in a foreign spot, when you find yourself in a land that is totally different from your homeland, right? You go to places and it's like they, they talk different, right? They talk funny, you could say. It just, it smells different. The food, you're looking at the food and you're like, you're not supposed to eat sheep eyeballs. I'm like, this is awesome, right? It's just, it's weird. It's different. They do a different language. They speak different. They even think differently. And so somebody will come up to you if you're like in a, foreign, in a foreign country and they'll go, when in Rome? And the thought process is, if you're a foreigner and you're weirded out by all the differences, then all you have to do is just blend in. When in Rome? Just blend in. Just act like everybody else around you and then maybe it won't be so weird anymore, right? Just eat what they're eating. Just speak the way that they speak. Act and think the way that they do. When in Rome. But the reason why that process, the reason why that strategy is so lousy is because no matter what you eat, no matter how you think, no matter what you say, all of those things that you try to do to blend in, in your heart, you know, this is not my home. Even if you try to act like a Roman, at your heart, you know deep down inside that you're not a Roman. No matter what you're eating or saying or speaking, you know that this is not your home. You are a foreigner in a strange land. This is exactly what it's like to be a Christian. Just like a foreigner is in a strange land and looks around and everything is weird and they just go, man, this is not the way that we do things in my home. That's exactly what it's like to be a Christian living in this world. Because even though you're in this land, even though you're living in the kingdom of this world, if you're a Christian, you're a citizen of God's kingdom, not the kingdom of this world. And so what do you do when everybody around you is saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, but you know that this earth is not your home. Students, we've been talking about the tale of two kingdoms where, uh, yeah, you can just slide with me. We've been talking about the tale of two kingdoms here where, yeah, keep going, bud, where there's this stark contrast, right? Where the kingdom of God is completely at odds with the kingdom of this world, right? Completely different. And friends, you will see this difference no more strongly than on this topic, marriage. Out of all the topics in the world, the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world is no more stark than when it comes to marriage. When you see the way that the world handles marriage, 
When you see the way that the kingdom of the world handles what we call this sacred covenant, you look at that as a Christian and you just go, it's so foreign. That's so weird. This is so not my home. I'm not a Roman. And so while the world tells us one thing about marriage, we're gonna see for the next two weeks, all right? We're gonna spend two weeks on this because it's so important. We're gonna see for the next two weeks that what Jesus is teaching us as citizens who are trying to live out and approach marriage, he's going to teach us that God's people are a faithful people. God's people are a faithful people. In Matthew chapter five, he's gonna talk about adultery. Check it out, starting in verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Man, Jesus, what are you saying? Let me say it again, I'll say it again. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. You've heard that. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. First thing we're seeing here is that unfaithfulness is a heart condition. Unfaithfulness is a heart condition. So Jesus is standing there, right? And he, uh, he calls his disciples to him. And they're all men, which is why he talks about women. You're like, women can't commit adultery? He, if, in mixed company, women and men. So he pulls his disciples to him, right? And he's telling them about the way to live in the kingdom. He goes, hey, in the kingdom, here's how we deal with anger, right? Here's how we deal with humility and all these things. And then he gets to adultery. And you can just imagine, kind of like what's happening here, the disciples, they all go like this. They all go, and they just get like really quiet, right? And they're like, is he really talking about this right now? And he brings up adultery and he makes it really clear that adultery is not the design. Faithfulness is. In God's kingdom, adultery is not the design. Faithfulness is. And he quotes, he quotes the, the, old, uh, the Ten Commandments here in the Old Testament. He says, you shall not murder. Check, I got that one, all right. Ten Commandments, I'm at number four, you sh- or number five, you shall not murder, or number six, rather. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. Have you guys heard these before? Raise your hand if you've heard of the Ten Commandments. Nice, all right, we're getting there. And so right here in the midst of it, right here in the thick of it, we have this commandment. The design is not adultery, it's faithfulness. Even before the 10 commandments, look what he says back in Genesis uh, chapter two. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. How many of you remember the story of the first wedding from last fall, right? Jesus literally just like knocks out Adam. He's like, did you sleep, right? And then like does open rib surgery, which I didn't even know was a thing. And he takes out the rib and he makes a woman. And then look what he does in the first wedding. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Next slide. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. Everybody say one flesh. Here, do you want this? Thank you. One flesh. And so here's what this, this language of one flesh, this is what I picture in my mind. What is this? It's a knot, right? Like this is what most of your guys' sock drawers look like. You know what I mean? 
You're like, why am I always late to school? Because you try to do this impossible puzzle every morning in your sock drawer, right? Um, perhaps like you're my wife and this is your jewelry box, ladies, right? And you're sitting here forever like, oh my gosh, my jewelry, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with you, right? This is not. And so Jesus, from the very beginning, when he's talking about a design, he took the man, he took the woman and he made one flesh. If you were to find this knot on my desk, right? You're like, yo, Sam, what's up? Can I come into your office? I'm like, yeah, man, come to my office. And you come into my office and you come down and you see on my desk, I have this knot. You would pick it up and you would conclude, I don't think he wants that to come apart, <laughs> right? Like if I took the time to put these pieces of rope together, you would not come into my office and go, man, it looks like he really wants those to be two separate strings, Right? This is not temporary. These two things are not meant to come apart. These two things are clearly not meant to be designed or, or to be intertwined with any other strand. This is a one strand, two strand relationship permanently just for each other. And so what Jesus is reminding us about the design is that when he put man and woman together, he made them like this. And any desire for this string to want to be unfaithful to the knot and to want to come over here and intertwine with another string, to do that, which is adultery, to do that is to desecrate and defile the covenant of marriage. This is the design. Adultery is not the design. Faithfulness is. And so we look at the knot, we look at the design, and you know what Rome says about this? <laughs> Dude, oh, this is, you know what Rome says about this? And you know what I mean when I say Rome, right? Like the culture that you're living in, the kingdom of this world. You know what they say about this? Thanks, Josh, I'll take that here, bud. You know what they say about this? They laugh at this. Like, you, dude, go to your school, go to Union High School, go to Camus, go to Evergreen and tell them that you desire this for the rest of your life and they will straight up laugh at you. Because what Rome says about this, they go, that's tired. That's a tired ethic. Dude, oh, 16 year old guy. Oh, you really desire to have this for the rest of your life? Like, guys, it's normal. Listen to me, young people, I'm your teacher in school and I'm just gonna help you get over the hump here and grow up. It's normal for people to want to go and, and experiment and, and to, this is just like for, for, you know, just to keep up appearances, don't tell anybody, but it's pretty normal to, to want to just branch out, right? Everybody does this. I mean, we actually have websites now where you can go and you don't even have to do the work of an affair. You don't even have to sweat to commit adultery. We'll pair you up for you. Our world laughs at the idea of faithfulness. They mock the idea of lifelong covenant marriage. And this is the world that you're living in. But students, adultery is not the design. Faithfulness is. God's people are a faithful people. These two worlds are completely opposed. But we must remember that God's people are a faithful people. And so maybe you're listening to me and you're like, all right, I got it, I got it. We, when we get married, we cannot commit physical adultery, right? Once I tie myself, once I'm joined to a spouse, I cannot commit physical adultery. Got it. You don't got it. 
because Jesus actually goes even further. He makes it clear that what God wants for you as a community is more than just to avoid physical adultery. Look what he says in verse 27. He says, verse, or 28, he says, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Students, God desires faithfulness in body and in mind in your actions, and in your heart. And so what he says is this, coming back to the knot. He says, for you, Christian, for you to even look at another person who is not your spouse and have desire to be with them, to have lustful thoughts after them, to even do that in your heart, that is just as unfaithful as if you were to commit adultery physically. It's still adultery. You just did it in your heart. You're still unfaithful. You just did it in your mind. Because students, unfaithfulness is a heart condition. Being unfaithful to your spouse is a heart condition. And so maybe you're here and you're like getting uncomfortable and you're like, Sam, why are we talking about adultery? I'm 16 years old. Sam, I'm married. Maybe you're here and you're like, I'm 12 years old. Oh my gosh, stop it, right? No, no, stop, grow up. We're mature here, right? We talk about real life things. If you wanted Barney, we could have played that in the nursery, right? No, we're grownups and we're trying to learn what does it mean to live for Jesus? And so you know why this is relevant for you students? Young men, you know why this is relevant? Young ladies, do you know why this is relevant? Because you need to practice. You need to practice. Unfaithfulness is a heart condition. It's a heart condition. And so people that are adults, people who are married, those who commit adultery are those who never learned how to control their wandering eyes and to gain victory over their lustful thoughts. People who commit adultery when they're married are those who when they were in your seats, they never learned to pursue purity. They never learned to make sure that they are being faithful in their hearts. I say this to young men all the time. Purity of mind is not something that you do until marriage. It's something you practice for marriage. Dude, there are people all the time that I run into and they're like, man, I just, I just like, man, I just, I can't contain this anymore. I just can't wait to be married. So that way I don't have to like have self-control anymore. Young ladies, self-control is not something that you just like you do in this season. It's the very thing that you're gonna need when you're married. Men, believe it or not, it actually gets harder. It gets harder. So the very purity of mind, the discipline that you're engaging in now, that you practice, you need that for marriage. So what Jesus is saying here about unfaithfulness is extremely relevant for us. We need it because unfaithfulness is a heart condition. My heart breaks. Oh, my heart breaks and my mic breaks. But my heart breaks for you guys because like, it's easy for me to stand up here and tell you about this, but this is so countercultural, isn't it? Like, like, isn't it? Like in your schools, you're like, I'm homeschooled. It's just me and my mom. So maybe not for you, but for everybody else, dude, this is super countercultural. Like this, of all the issues in our day, this is the issue. Guys, sexuality and promiscuity, like this is the issue. This is the forefront of the battle. This is the bloodiest battle in the war right now is your sexuality because you live in Rome. You live in a kingdom that the very air that you breathe is promiscuity and sensuality 
and erotic, all those things. This is normal. Friends, you live in a kingdom where they don't even try to hide it, right? You live in a kingdom that is actually designed to draw the gazes. We live in a kingdom of young men and young women who actually like measure success based on how many people they can get to lust after them. And it's in this culture, it's in the middle of this kingdom that I'm telling you, faithfulness is a heart condition. My heart breaks for you guys, man. I wish I could stand up here and tell you, well, you know what? In a few weeks, we're gonna pass some new curriculum in our schools and everybody's gonna be awesome. No, I mean, it's not getting any better, right? And that's why we need each other, friends. That's why we need each other because you're fighting in Rome. And so what we do here, we pursue purity in body and in mind. We're a community that we value those things. We're a community where we encourage our brothers and our sisters to not look at each other with lustful intent. We encourage our brothers and sisters to be faithful in their hearts because we don't text like Romans do. We don't talk to girls and to guys like Romans do. We don't use social media like Romans do. We're not Romans. We're citizens of heaven. And so we fight war on our sin. We fight war against sexual impurity. We fight war against unfaithfulness. Everybody say war. war. Pathetic battle cry, right? You're like roar for war. Like this is war. Like, this, like I literally, when I was typing this, I was picturing just screaming and I can't because my voice is not fully recovered from camp. But this is war. And so how do you fight this war? How do you fight this war on your campus? How do you fight this war in your home? How do you fight this war on your computer and in your social circles? How do you fight the war? Jesus tells us, look what he says. Let's go next slide. You can just click it for me all the way. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. <laughs> all right, it's time for response time. Everybody grab out your spoons. Uh, you know, like... Jesus, what are you saying? Like, let's keep going. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. How are we to fight this war on sexuality? How are you to fight this war on unfaithfulness? He makes it clear that when you're fighting sin, you must use deadly force. How many people watch TV shows with police officers in them? I feel like that's every TV show ever, right? So you're watching, you're watching a TV show. I'm watching White Collar right now. That's like a, a new show. I'm, I just tried a few episodes and... Wow, okay. It, it's not new. I know it's old. I'm like 20 years late to the party, but yeah. Anyway, I, I'm watching this show, you know, and it's so funny. Like all these cheesy sitcoms, they all have guns, but nobody ever gets shot, Right? It's like, oh, we have a gun. We're gonna go around the corner. And there's like funny music playing in the background. And it's like, is this Scooby-Doo? Or like what? You know, it's like, freeze. You know, it's like, that's not what guns are like. But then maybe you watch a movie like Dunkirk. I don't know. You watch one of these war movies that are coming out, whatever it is. You watch one of these movies like Saving Private Ryan, right? Where it's like rated R like for blood, you know? You're watching one of these movies where you see the realities of war and nobody's taking their gun and they're like busting down doors in an Afghanistan little village and they're not going, doink, 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 right? Come out. 
Like these are people that are losing their lives. These are people that when they're going into the most dangerous parts of our country, the most dangerous parts of the world, they say, use deadly force. These are the people that are on the radio and they're like, I have a suspect cornered on 23rd and Grant. He is armed and dangerous. And when you hear those words, armed and dangerous, everybody that's on the radio, they know this is not something to take lightly. This is something that I need to be aggressive with because if I don't kill it, it will kill me. Use deadly force. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, your sin, unfaithfulness, which is in your heart, if you do not use deadly force, if you are not taking drastic measures to destroy this, it will destroy you. This is a war, friends, and what's on the line is not points. What's on the line is not a golden plunger. What's on the line is your very soul. This is war. And if we're going to be faithful, if we're going to be a community who has faithfulness in our hearts, we need to use deadly force. So many times we treat we treat our wandering eyes and we treat our lustful thoughts and we, and we use phrases like this. You know, we just, we all have our little sins, right? Like, you know, we just, we all kind of, you know how everybody struggles with something and so we all have our little bad habits and friends, you know what a bad habit is? Forgetting to brush your teeth in the morning. That's a bad habit, right? Like leaving your underwear on the floor in your bathroom. That's a bad habit, right? Not cleaning up after yourself. That's a bad habit, Friends, let us not use that kind of language for this sin. Sin is more than a bad habit. It is an enemy that if we do not kill, it will kill us. And so we have to do what it takes. He says, he, says, he uses this exaggeration, right? Like imagine the 12 disciples and they like have 12 eyes because um, they all have one, right? Like you don't get this picture of the New Testament where like all of Jesus' disciples are walking around with a patch. Like what happened? Lustful thoughts are, you know? It's like... <laughs> No, he's, I guess that doesn't necessarily make you a pirate. I apologize for that misnomer. Um, but what ha- like, they understood that when he's talking, they're not sitting here going like, all right, on three. Like they're not cutting off their arm. They're not plucking out their eyes. So what is Jesus talking about? He's saying, do whatever it takes. He's saying there is no cost too high to take out your sin. There's no cost too high when it comes to making war on your sin. And so the question for you, what do, how do you need to make war, students? How do you need to make war? What are the eyes and the arms in your life that you go, I can't imagine doing life without that. What are those things that you need to pluck out and cut off? Well, man, maybe... The, the social media app? Wait, wait, cut that out of my life. How would that work? Wait, I'm, that TV show? Dude, what? Everybody watches that TV show. Wait, you mean I shouldn't even talk to that person? Wait a minute, you mean this game? Wait, you mean that friend? And just like they must have thought, like imagine when Jesus is talking, cut out your eye, cut off your arm. Everybody goes, whoa, that sounds extreme. Everybody needs an eye and an arm. That's probably how you feel when the Holy Spirit is telling you, here's what you need to pluck out when you go, whoa, what am I supposed to do without a cell phone? Are you kidding me? What, everybody watches that show. Everybody watches that movie. Everybody, you're not a Roman. 
Of course they do, because they're citizens of Rome. They live in this kingdom. But Christian, you are not a citizen of this world. You are a citizen of heaven. And so your life will look radically different. Your life will be marked by a little bit of a weirdness and an oddity because the values and the goals of your life are completely different now that you're a Christian. How do you need to make war? Jesus says, cut it off. Jesus says, pluck it out. Jesus says, no cost is too high because God's people are a faithful people. Students, you know what my prayer is? You know what my vision is for this community? Like, you know why I do this? I'm 26 years old. I talk about this all the time. I could do anything right now. Why am I spending my life with middle school and high school students teaching you every Wednesday? You mean you don't love us and, and think we're super cool and want to hang out with us every week? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually paying to do this. <laughs> what? It's like, friends, my motivation for this is this. That five years from now, 10 years from now, I'll go to your weddings. Maybe I'll even officiate a few of them. We'll be fellow members at the same church. Like I'll walk in on Sunday with my wife and kids and he'll come up next to me as a newlywed or whatever. And like, we'll be a community of people. Not students anymore. We'll upgrade our mission statement, right? A community of students. No, I graduated. You're now a community of person, right? <laughs> and my vision is that we're a community of people that as we tell the world about the good news of Christ's unfailing love for us, that you would be a people, that you would have families, that as you're telling your unsaved friends, as you're telling your classmates, as you're telling your cousins about the love that God had for us that made him cling to us and the love that makes him say, I will never leave you. You can talk about that and then you can point to your own marriage and go like that. People in Rome, they can't conceive of a God that would never leave them. They can't conceive of a relationship that is not based on their performance. And when you show up with your godly marriage, because as a student, you learn to pursue faithfulness in your heart because you know it's a heart condition. You can point to your marriage. You can point to your wives. You can point to your husbands. And you can say, you know, you want me to show you how God loves you? Like, you're having trouble understanding that? Like this. And you can point to how you cling faithfully in body and in mind to your spouse. Friends, that's what we're fighting for. God's people are a faithful people. And if I were just standing here telling you to try harder, like how much of a bummer of a message would that be, right? Don't commit adultery, try harder, right? Be faithful in your hearts, try harder. Stop lusting, try harder. Like, if that's all I told you, if I was just simply screaming at you to make war, that would be a really bummer. Because it is bloody out there. And many of you are already being decimated in the war. And many of you already have no hope that you'll ever even overcome the sexual sin in your life. And so me just telling you to try harder is not what you need. What you need is to be deeply motivated by the most beautiful picture that your souls can ever see. You need to be motivated by the fact that I'm not just telling you to make war, but that Christ already made war. You feel like a slave to your sin and students, I know it because you're in my office and you all come into my office at different times and you all say, I'm the only one that struggles with this. And I'm just like, 
I wish you would have been here five minutes ago. <laughs> like, we're all in this. Every single one of us. You're like, well, not him. Yes, him. Not her. Absolutely her. All of us. We're in this because this is the issue of our day. And even though you come into my office and you feel hopeless and helpless and you feel like you're losing the war and you say to me, I'm never gonna win the war. Here's what I'm telling you. Christ already won the war. Christ came and he didn't pluck out his eye. He didn't cut off his arm. He actually went all the way and he died. That's how serious he made war. And he died so that sin would no longer be your slave master. So that sin would no longer hold a collar around your neck and make you walk like it's dog. He died so that sin would no longer hold the shackles around your ankles and your wrist and make you its slave. He died. Look what Peter says here. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Jesus made war for you, students. You're not hopeless. You're not on your own to make war. He made war on sin and he defeated it. And because he did, we're no longer slaves to sin. We're now free. And by the spirit that he's given us, by the friends that he's given us, by his word that he's given us, we can pursue the design that says God's people are a faithful people. So here's how I want us to respond right now. This is not the kind of message that you walk away from and you go, solid, cool, yeah, I'll think about it. This is the kind of message that for those of you who are in the trenches right now making war on sexual sin, for those of you that are on a trajectory toward adultery because it's already alive in your heart, this is the time in the message where we'll respond and we'll have music and the band and we're gonna plead how many of you have ever begged for something because you wanted it really bad? Be honest. How many of you begged, right? How did you beg? Did you, like, were there tears involved? Were you on your knees, right? Was there some hand wringing? Students, stay with me. Listen, listen. How many of you have begged before? How many of you used the word please in your begging? Maybe even, like, please repeatedly, right? Like, please, 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 please. Like, dude, I read this kind of text, and you know what I did when I wrote this message? I didn't just put the period at the end and go, it's perfect. I begged. I begged God. I said, God, please give us faithfulness. God, please give these students faith. God, please make us faithful in our hearts. God, please give us the motivation by your gospel to put our sin to death. God, please help us to be young men and women who don't tempt each other to sin, but encourage one another to sin. God, please, would you destroy sin in our hearts because I'm a sinner, God, because I'm an adulterer, God, because I lust, because my, my faithfulness is nothing compared to Jesus. And so the only way that we're gonna respond if God's people are a faithful people, I'm gonna invite you guys tonight to plead and say, Jesus, make me faithful. Make me faithful. And we're gonna sing. We got plenty of time. I ended early. We have 30 minutes where we can just hang out and we're just gonna sing and we're gonna pray. And perhaps you have business that you wanna talk to a leader about and you need special prayer, but we're just gonna move around tonight, friends. We're not gonna sit here and do a concert. If you wanna come forward, if you wanna kneel down, if you wanna turn in your chair, whatever you need to do, I'm telling you to beg and plead with God to give you faith, to make you faithful. There's hope, friends, because Jesus already made war on your sin.